Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. All right. I don't know if you were here last week, but Pastor James preached a brilliant message with an unusual title called You Ain't Getting My Garden. So any teachers here will be saying, ain't? That's right. (laughs) You are not getting my garden. Uh, And I think it was great. It was based around Ephesians 1, 11 to 13, where it speaks about that we have obtained a spiritual inheritance. And Pastor James shared about we need to stand in authority and we need to stand and protect that spiritual inheritance, that internal inheritance. And don't let intimidation, don't let anything rob us of it. Amen. So do some people go home and put that in practice this week? Yes. Yeah, one person did. Fantastic. (laughs) Good on you, Diane. So today I want to expand on the subject. I want to continue on not only standing with faith and authority in protecting our internal inheritance, our garden, but also stand with faith fixed and focused when it comes to waiting for the fulfillment of promises of God that he's made to you and to me. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. And we're going to look at the uh, part of the journey of Abraham and Sarah. And we will begin to see that time is our greatest test when it comes to being confronted with a promise from God that in the natural, through our human eyes, to us seems absolutely impossible. But to God, it is not impossible. So Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. Now you will hear me when I'm talking about Abraham and Sarah. I'll say Abraham and Sarai. That was their original names that they had. And then later on in their encounter with the Lord, he changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. So I'm not getting my English muddled up. That's just the way it flows. Okay? So in Genesis 12, 1 to 7, the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Wow. All the nations will be blessed through you. All the families. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed. Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. He headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham travelled through the land as far as Shechem. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Mori. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. And listen to this. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Note the word descendants here. So Genesis 12 is talking about a faithful couple that so many of us know by the names of Abraham and Sarah. And in the book of Hebrews it says they were the greatest heroes in the record of faith. They had faith. 
If it was in the 21st century, we'd be walking through the Hall of Fame and down the road, there'd be a big placard with a star on it and it'd have Abraham and Sarah's name conquered into it. That's how famous they were for their faith. Uh, so they were really known as faith. But I want us to understand, when we read about these great heroes in the Bible, they were human beings just like you and me. And they had a human flaws and frailties just like we do. But their journey of faith was not cruisy by any means. If anyone says to you, because you're a believer, that life is quite cruisy when you're a believer, <laughs> they really have not walked the talk, amen? They have not walked the talk, and they really don't know, have a clue about what they're talking about. But Abraham and Sarah, great faith heroes, greatest faith people. But they had many ups and downs along their journey of life. And especially when it came to understanding that God doesn't always work out our promises the way we expect it to be and not in the time frame always to suit us. So what was God's promise to Abraham and Sarah? He said, I'm going to give you this massive garden. A massive garden, and it's, there's going to all the land you can see, as far as your eye can see, I am going to pass it on, and you're going to pass it on to your descendants. Now, the word descendants in Hebrew means your seed, your offspring, in other words, their son. So here lies the problem for Abraham and Sarah. God called Abraham, leave his country, take your wife, take your rallies, take your farnow, uh, take all your cattle and your gold and silver, um, and I want you to leave it all, take it all with you, and you're going to go to Canaan. That was a big thing to be asked. You know when you're uprooted, has anyone been uprooted from their homeland? Yeah, you understand. Yes, many of you. It's a huge thing, isn't it? For Abraham, this was a huge thing, but that wasn't his major issue. It wasn't the major problem he had here. Abraham was well on in his years. He was 75 years old. And Sarai, I think she was a bit older than him, but she was barren and she had never had a child. I'm sure when Abraham said to Sarai, God has told us we're going to pass on all this land to our descendant, to our offspring, to our seed, she would have looked at her body. I can say this because I'm in the same age gap as these are. <laughs> she would have looked at her body and looked at Abraham and thought, God must be crazy. God must, have you ever been really honest and thought to yourself sometimes, I think the Lord's crazy. He's given me this promise. He's given me this word. And there's just no way I see that that's going to happen. But remember what I said. Abraham and Sarah had faith. Because you mess up sometimes and you have doubts, it doesn't mean you don't have faith. Don't let anyone rob you of that. But they had faith, so they packed up everything. The rallies, the cows, the cattle, the servants. The slaves packed everyone up and they took off to go to Abraham, to go to Abraham, to go to Canaan and fulfill the promise that God had given to them. So, one year passed. They arrived in Canaan. One year passed. Three years passed. Six years passed. They still hadn't seen that promise of a son. Eight years passed. Nine years passed. Ten years passed from the time they arrived in Canaan and they still had no children. 
Abraham and Sarah were becoming, I imagine, quite, oh, I won't say frustrated because I'm going to get myself into complications here, uh, but I think they were quite despaired. They were quite anxious and getting a little impatient. Would you get impatient after 10 years? Mm. I, know, I know of a family that prayed for a, a man to be saved. They didn't even know this man. They just saw him in church one day and said, we're going to start praying for the deliverance of that man for him to get saved. They prayed every Thursday night for 10 years. And every time they gathered their kids together, they'd say, we're going to pray for that man in church. And the kids would be like, oh, my gosh. You know, and these kids, from 10 years later, he got saved. Amen. <laughs> I bet those kids had a glorious celebration after that. <laughs> But they were. They were getting quite frustrated. They had everything. Everything in life. Materialism. They had wealth. They had cattle. They had servants. They had land beyond what they could see. But Abraham still came to the point where he stood there one day and he said, what is the point of it all? Anyone ever said that? What is the point of it all? You know, and... If you jump over to Genesis chapter 15, there is actually a 10-year gap between chapter 12 and chapter 16. But in Genesis 15, I'm just going to paraphrase it here, God was always one step ahead of us. Abraham and Sarah were anxious. They hadn't had a child. Abraham was at the stage of saying, oh, what's the point of doing this? What's the use of having all this land and everything if if I'm never going to have a son to pass it on to, I may as well pass it on to one of my servants and let them um, raise it. But God is always one step ahead of us, church. He always is. He's not lagging behind us. He's always one step ahead of us. He's planned, pre-planned, predestined our lives and our future and what is going to happen to us. But God turned around and, you know, he always reminds us. He doesn't give up. If God has planted something in your spirit, if he's given you a word, if he's spoken a promise to you, he is a God of his promise. He's a God of his word. And he will never forget it. How do you know if something's from God? It's because the Holy Spirit will always remind you. Okay? If it's not of God, then, you know, it's going to go out the window and you're going to forget about it. But when something stirs you up all the time, it just never leaves you. And if you're living your life for the Lord, surrendering your life for the Lord, it's going to be the Spirit of God saying, hey, this is God speaking to you. God's speaking to you. So God came to Abraham again in a vision this time. And he said to Abraham, do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and your reward is going to be great. And Abraham still said, what good are all your blessings? What did God do? He said, no, he said, your servant will not be your heir. He said, you will have a son and your own will be your heir. Isn't that fantastic? So what was God doing here? What is God doing in our lives when there's a delay? This was a 10-year delay. It actually went on a lot more. And, you know, what is God's plan for a delay? Sometimes there is a need for a delay. I went through a time in my life when I thought, you know, I was never going to see the fulfillment of the word God gave me. But there needed to be a delay because I had to deal with some of my attitudes. There was a delay because there were things that God wanted to work with me in my life before it took fruition. But sometimes there's a need for a delay, but we cannot see it. 
We cannot see the wood for the trees, but there are times when we can see it, but we don't necessarily want to accept that delay. We don't necessarily want to accept it, and we don't necessarily know how to respond to it. You see, the time is the greatest test of our lives, and the time for Sarah and Abraham was here. The greatest test of their faith was here. Were Abraham and Sarah going to wait expectantly, patiently, and place their eyes and heart fixed and focused on the word that God had given to them, or were they going to take matters into their own hand? Sarah actually became very impatient. She became disappointed, and she one day, I mean, this sounds like a real domestic in a household, to be honest. <laughs> and one day she just got fed up with it, and she said, um, I'm going to have an ear. We are going to have an ear, one way or another. That sounds like me. That sounds like a strong woman sometimes, you know. We just can't be nice and gentle about it. But we say, I'm going to have that ear, one way or another. And she came up with a compromise to offer Hagar, her servant, to be their surrogate, to carry their child. So let's flip over now to Genesis 16, 1 to 6, and read the mistake that Abraham and Sarah did. Now remember this, it's not all just about having a son. For other people, the promises of God might be to do with uh, an employment situation. It may be to do with a relationship. It may be to do with seeing family members or relatives saved for Christ. God brings different promises to different people and in different ways and different forms. But this is bringing out the principle that we learn from Abraham and Sarah. Genesis 16, 1-6. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children to him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Just remember, servants, um, they rightfully could ask their servants to do anything. Uh, it was customary in those days. So Sarah said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abraham as his wife, as a wife. So Abraham had sexual relationships with Hagar. Don't look at me like that. It's written in the Bible. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm not making it up. <laughs> Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to mistreat her mistress. She treated her with contempt. Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. Well, what does she expect? And now she's pregnant. And she treats me with contempt. The Lord was going to show who's wrong, you or me. Oh my gosh, this is a domestic here. <laughs> so, you know, in haste, we make decisions in haste. In haste, Sarah and Abraham both made a dumb decision. Sarah resorted to her own ideas. She took things into her own hands, and it was her idea that her husband sleeps 
with Hagar and produces a child. But Abraham agreed, ladies. He agreed. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a bit like Adam and Eve saga. You know, Eve ate the apple, but who come alongside her and shared it? Who agreed? So, you know, here we have Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah agreeing on the situation. So what did they do? They placed expedience over obedience. Right. Expedience over obedience. Haste over patience. You know, those who believe we can't make haste. We can't make haste. They took matters into their own hand. How often do we take matters into our own hand? Time was their greatest test, and they did not wait patiently. Instead, they saw compromise as the solution. Our world is full of compromise. Yeah. Phil and I were talking about it. The more you look at TV, the more you see compromise. Yeah. Sometimes we have to take our eyes off some of that stuff. Yeah. My kids, and when we, as they were growing up and teenagers, said they would always tell my friends, never go to the movies with our mother. <laughs> they said she will walk out of the movies and I don't know how many movies maybe I was a bit narrow minded but I don't know how many movies I'd go to and I'd say to my kids okay that's enough you're not watching that and I <laughs> and I'd pull them out and I remember once we were trying to do a fundraiser for the church and, um, and, and one of the girls in our youth group she had organised going and seeing this movie at a private theatre and we got a big crowd coming I'm sweating because, you know, she said she had seen the movie, it was clean, there was no sex, there was no swearing, no violence. And the movie went on. It was like watching Radio Hauraki out on the golf when they started with the music. And uh, it got worse and worse. And in the end, I looked, uh, no one was leaving. So anyway, I thought, oh, well, I'm the leader here. I better do something. So I got up and I walked out. Well, next minute, I'm sitting in the cafe outside of the cinema having coffee, and everyone had walked out. <laughs> and my kid said, never go to the movies with our mother. <laughs> Let alone take the whole church. I'll never do that again. Are youth pastors, youth leaders here? Let your pastor see the movie before you put it on. <laughs> oh, my gosh, where am I up to now? Yeah, compromise is never God's best for you. It's never God's best. It only adds to the problem. And there are consequences that come with compromise. Consequences that come with it. It was just as difficult for you and me today in the 21st century as it was for Abraham and Sarah to know when, when is it time to take initiative and when can, should we be waiting expectantly for the fulfillment of God's promises. You know, God's promises, as I said, are different from everyone. But what is it that God has said to you? To each of us, it's very different. What is it he said to you? Is it going to be about a healing? About a relationship? Is it about moving to another land? But I say to you, you need to take a hold of that in the name of Jesus. Hold on to that promise. A promise has value if it is believed and kept. You see, Sarah and Abraham, faith had faith, but they gave up on believing because they looked at their physical state, their physical need. They didn't 
dropped their faith in God, but they just looked at that, they compromised, and they stopped holding on to it. A promise has purpose and future if it is believed, if it's held on to and protected. We have to protect it, like protecting our spiritual garden, like protecting our spiritual inheritance. We've got to protect that word that God has given to us. You know, you may be sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well, how do I know if that word is from God or not of God? Psalm 37, I think it is, uh, verse 5 or 4 to 5, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Another translation, I think it says, um, Commit yourself to the Lord. Commit all your ways to the Lord. In other words, if you're living your life totally for the Lord, then surely the desires that are in your heart will align up with the word of God, will align up with the spirit of God, will align up with you know the ways of God. So delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So these challenges face us all. So what can we do, church? What can we do when we begin to get anxious, when we begin to get impatient, when we begin to want to take matters into our own hands? So I want to give you four points to finish, four points to that I've actually had to apply in my own life. When I've come to that stage where I've thought, oh my gosh, God, one year's gone, two years is gone, three years is gone, and nothing has changed. I ended up living 23 years on my own before I finally met Manu. Wow. 23 years. But I, I, I mean, there were times that my patience went out the window. You know, the Bible speaks of the fruits of the Spirit. Sometimes those fruits of the Spirit just go whooping out the window. Because <laughs> we're human beings. We have flaws and we have frailties. But what do we do? Number one, I always say check out our actions before you make any major decision that's going to affect the promises of God that have been spoken over your life. Check out our actions and so ask yourself, are my actions, are they consistent with the word of God? Because Sarah's actions actually weren't. You read that passage again in chapter 16, Sarah got bitter. She got resentful with Hagar, and I'm sure Hagar walked around with her stomach saying, look at me, I'm carrying your husband's baby. <laughs> well, she got a neat slap on the face. But Sarah did, she got bitter. She got resentful, and she got very jealous. And, you know, sometimes you know, we look at Hagar, and I think poor Hagar takes the brunt of the story. We're not going, you read at home between chapters 16 and 18, and you'll see that God actually blessed Hagar and blessed her son, amen. She didn't do anything wrong. As a servant, as a slave, she did exactly what her owners asked her to do. And God wasn't going to punish her for that, and neither should we. So are my actions consistent with the God? Check out our attitudes. Uh, Christine Dyson said to us uh, on the prayer meeting on Wednesday night on Zoom, uh, she spoke about Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, love, patience, joy. They're all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So it's what's, when we're anxious, what is coming out of our heart? What is coming out of our spirit? Is it love? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it patience? Is it self-control? And we have to be honest with ourselves. It often isn't. Ask ourselves, am I acting out of fear or am I acting out of faith? Fear, I think, is when you feel it's all out of control. I've told you before when I had a leaky home, I had an aneurysm, 
Um, I just got over five years of cancer. And, and I remember thinking the walls of my house were going to fall on me. Because fear for me is when something's out of your control. You sense you can do nothing about it. Your alert system goes and you sweat and all the anxiety comes. So when we check out our actions, ask ourselves, are we acting out of fear or faith? Am I standing in faith on the promises of God? Or am I taking matters into my own hand? Number two, modify our actions as God directs. You know, while you're waiting for God's word to be fulfilled, don't just sit on the couch and become a couch potato. You can get involved in things. Um, when I was preparing this, I just felt there's someone in this room here that a word God has given to you is that you're going to become a public speaker. You're going to be an advocate. And I keep getting the word politics. Well, I wouldn't want to be involved in politics, may I say. But, you know, God wants born-again, spirit-filled Christians to be involved in our government and in parliament. And I sense that there's someone there, but you're getting frustrated because you think, how will these doors open for me? I say start doing things to prepare yourself. Go and have training courses, get equipped. Um, you know, just learn to do public speaking in small ways. It might be missions. You want to be involved in missions, but you can't get out over there. You've got little kids. You can't get over there. But God has said to you, you're going to go to Syria, or you're going to go to Cambodia, or you're going to go to some foreign country, and there's no way you can see that happening. But what can you do in the meantime? What can you do in the meantime? You can financially support someone out on the mission field. You can learn the language. I so wished when I went overseas and worked on the mission field, I had learned the languages uh, so that I could you know, speak fluently and communicate with people. You could host visitors. When missionaries come to this country, come to your church, host them in your home. You have a great time hosting people. So modify our actions as God directs. And don't just sit around and wait. Don't sit around and wait because there are reasons for the delay. And often you cannot see it until you're on the other side of the situation. You know, Friday I had to speak at a funeral at a memorial service and my husband and I had to go to Nielsen Street only hunger. We had to leave there at 5 to 4. Peak hours. Anyone been through Nielsen Street, Onihanga? Yes. We're in this massive queue. It's gridlock. We cannot get near the Western Highway 20. We were not going to get anywhere near it, so we diverted up uh, Alfred Street, Victoria Street. We get to Hillsborough. It's gridlock to get to Hillsborough to get on the motorway. Man's looking stressed. I'm really stressed. And, um, and I'm thinking, how are we going to get home? Finally, we go Car Road, Mount Roscoe, all the way to the western suburbs, an hour and 10 minutes, I think it took, to do a 15-minute journey. But it's like the statement says, you only get to see once you're on the other side of the situation. When Man and I got home, him and I were tired. Um, he used to travel two hours from the airport, at least two to three hours every day. I used to work in North Shore. I used to get across the Harbour Bridge, that, the motorway, and then onto North Western, which is diabolical. But it wasn't until we were on the other side that we could look back and see it. And it's the same in this situation. Um, number three, kick out compromise. Kick out compromise. While you're waiting and you're getting impatient, don't be like Abraham and Sarah and compromise. Compromise can become our greatest enemy of experiencing the promises of God. 
Compromise has consequences that are great. Reject the things that are in conflict with God's promise. Some of you are about to already think about compromise as a quick fix. There's not a quick fix to seeing God's word fulfilled. But we need to reject and kick out conference, um, compromise. Seek God and stop looking for solutions outside of God's promise. Stop it. I believe that's a word for this year. We have to stop looking for solutions that will compromise the word of God and what he has said to us. And finally, number four, let's pray and ask God to guide us. I read right through from chapter 6 right through to chapter 18 in Genesis and I can't record very much of ever hearing Sarah asking the Lord to help her through this. You know, Sarah, you know, we always put matters in our own hand. We always step out and do our own thing. But we need to allow God time to work in us and through us. We cannot fulfill God's promise within our own power. We need to call upon the Holy Spirit. When we're just about at that point where we think we can no longer wait, we need to cry out and say, Holy Spirit, can you help me? Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak into me right now because it's the Holy Spirit that will bring spiritual life back to us. It is the Holy Spirit that will bring hope into us. John 3, 6, humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives to spiritual life. I'll read that again. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives to spiritual life. Church, there's no hope, there's no faith, there's no power without the Holy Spirit. And I believe that we have to call upon the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to wait expectantly in faith and with a firm belief that God's promises will come through. You know, even if we've messed it up, church, God will always respond to faith. Abraham and Sarah had their faith. You have your faith. Whatever issue you're going through, God will all come through. Finally, 14 years after this situation, Abraham and Sarah had a son called Isaac. 14 years after the situation, he was 90, at 90 years old, Sarah had the son. And the Lord told them one year before, you are going to have a son. Let's all stand, church.